Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Are you ready for some high adventure? Coming up next on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. The Case Book of Justice and Dixon. The Case of the Just Desserts, Part 1. The name's Dixon. Trixie Dixon, girl detective. Let Hercules himself do what he may. Cat will mew and dog will have its day. I don't know precisely what would make a Prince of Denmark say a thing like that, much less say it in English instead of rough, seafaring Danish, and even less to say it in the sort of iambic twaddle that generally failed to tie my doublet and hose in a knot. But in all fairness, at least part of the reason that I don't know this is because by the time my studies had reached Hamlet, I had paid my debt to teen society and had been sprung from reform school and was spending valuable class time testing my new-found powers to fricassee the hormones of the poor, simple males seated nearby, who also learned nothing in English class. At least, not where princes of Denmark and their pronouncements were concerned. I digress. That happens sometimes. I like a random Shakespeare reference as much as the next girl, and whatever Hamlet might have been trying to say, I am quoting him to imply that everybody seems to get what they deserve, sooner or later. That simple belief is what kept me sane as I returned time and again to the mighty world headquarters of Justice and Dixon, and the haircut that walks like a man who often dwelt within. On the other hand, I shudder to suppose that this questionable destiny may actually be my great reward, and not a speed bump on the road to it. And as for Jack, I suppose that he must have done something to deserve the attention of Peeper Purseworthy. Peeper Purseworthy, on the other hand, had failed so resolutely and so repeatedly in his apparent goal that it forced one to conclude that he simply did not deserve to succeed. And since Peeper Purseworthy seemed to want nothing more in this life than to fill the small, round void in our lives left by Freddy the Finger Hawthorn, one may conclude that he could not possibly be worthy of much in this life if he were undeserving of that questionable distinction. The door burst open and the long, lanky form of Peeper Purseworthy loped into our space as if he were the reason for us all being there. Surprise, he called, and in a way it was, since Jack had suggested three days ago that if he saw Peeper within a month, he would certainly shoot him. Jack's face was an impassive mask. Trixie, he said seriously, be a dear and fetch whichever of my guns the police have no ballistics on. There are at least three things wrong with that sentence, but I let them go and sat quietly to see what happened next. Now, come on, don't be like that, Jackie. Peeper scolded as if it were all in fun. Something about the way Jack's nostrils flared at this made him suddenly realize that he had grossly misread the room, and he backtracked as quickly as he could without falling over his own feet. 
He stammered rapid-fire style like a machine gun with a stutter. I mean, Jack. Uh, Jackie boy. Mr. Justice. Jack, I call you Jack, of course. That's your name, isn't it? Jack. Your name is Jack. What do you want, Peeper? Jack sighed heavily. There wasn't even any sport in putting the scare into Purseworthy. Guys like that were born scared. Who says I gotta want something? Peeper sniffed, the genuinely simulated warm grin returning to his face. I can't just stop by and see my old friends Track and Jixie. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean. I know what you mean, Jack barked, and I've told you, next to that. We are not currently accepting applications for the role of good-natured underworld bit player and small-time informant. Peeper shrugged. It's okay, he sniffed. Ain't no skin off my nose. It just occurred to me that you ain't had nobody in that position for quite some time now, and it was possible, and here I just say possible, that you may not be aware of certain things that you really ought to know. Peeper deliberately closed his mouth with a grand gesture and mimed throwing the key out the window, which was closed. If he noticed this last fact, he gave no sign that he did. Jack said nothing. I looked back at Peeper, who had started to hum casually, as if his locked lips would not allow him to whistle casually. I looked to the dog, who whined a little, as if nothing in particular were amiss in this world, but if he could gain some small concession through this attention, he reckoned he might as well have it. I looked back at Jack, who had not moved. Jack? I said quietly, just in case he was prepared to be reasonable for once. Can't do it, Jack said with a firm shake of his head. It's like feeding a stray cat. King Jr. whined again at the use of this word. He was still, and always had been, more than a little afraid of cats. Don't you start, Jack scolded the dog, who licked his lips and broke wind loudly, as if to call the matter closed. Say, Peeper, I began. Don't do it, Jack warned. I wonder if you have any interesting underworld information to share on this fine day, I continued forcefully, mostly because Jack did not want me to. Peeper beamed and immediately began searching on the window sill for the pretend key that he had thrown away. He was going to have to cut this routine short or I was going to shoot him myself. Through instinct or luck, he seemed to cotton on to his own lack of adorability and unlocked his lips, which he immediately set to flapping. I am so very glad that you have asked, he beamed, causing Jack to roll his eyes dramatically and follow them straight to the coffee percolator. I thought of you at once upon coming by this information, as I know that you are chummy with Sabian, the big man at Robbery Homicide. Jack did not go so far as to stop pouring his coffee, but he did slow it down ever so slightly, and his eyes actually met Peeper's. That was a pretty big display for Jack, and Peeper picked up on his cues accordingly. Through an associate in a similar line of work, I have heard that Sabian is due to get his just desserts. Everybody paused at length for effect, and we all did such a great job that I honestly forgot what we were talking about. That's it? Jack asked at last. That's the hot tip that you defied an untimely demise over? Peeper looked wounded, and he spread his awkward wingspan to its full reach. I thought you and him and her, that all of you, I thought that you was friends. Jack snorted. We take Sabi and his just desserts all the time. It's a little something we do to get the information that we need without actually knowing things or being prepared to work at all. It's our bit. It's what we do. We take him a piece of Danish or a sweet roll or something and he forgets he doesn't like us very much and gives us what we need. 
Peeper shook his head. Please do not understand me quite so fast, he said, moving his hand wildly through space like a yogi having some kind of fit. I do not mean to imply that there is actual dessert involved. It's an expression to mean that Sabian is going to get what is coming to him, and soon. Jack snorted again. If there is a crook in this town who has the guts to dance with Sabian, I don't know his name. Peeper's head began to shake anew, though truly it had never really stopped. Not a crook, he said. This was a cop. Or two cops in conversation with one another at O'Hanrahan's and overheard by an associate of mine on account of he was eavesdropping. Cops don't go to O'Hanrahan's much, I offered. Dirty ones do, Peeper corrected. These ones was dirty and everybody knows it. Who are they, Jack challenged. My associate declined to name names, he said with a small wing flap of apology. But they seem to be most keen that Sabian be put on the spot on account of him being a rat. A rat? Jack snarled. You know who says rat? Mobsters say rat. They think they have a code. So do dirty cops, Peeper agreed. There was another pause. Yeah, they do, Jack agreed. All right, Peeper. Thank you for thinking of us. It was the least I could do, he offered. Thank you for stopping by, Jack continued, making small sweeping gestures toward the door. Not at all, Peeper said, seeming oblivious but moving toward the door nonetheless. "'Get the hell out,' Jack said, not that unkindly. "'Of course, of course,' Peeper agreed. "'And should the opportunity arise for mutual consideration upon a later date?' Jack closed the door without another word. "'Well,' I began, with no intention of following through on the rest of the thought. "'Well,' replied Jack, who knew this trick well enough not to fall for it a thousandth time." I now found myself in the difficult position of having to steer this conversation, but it felt like it had nowhere to go but out the door, and Jack obviously agreed because he stood up and opened his desk drawer, lifting out his favorite forty-five. Well, what now? Go see Sabian, I guess, Jack shrugged. We got nothing else. Maybe we should call first, I said, reaching for my hat. Last four times we went down there, he was out. Jack stopped short. Yeah, he replied, as if there was a thought rattling around that big empty head. At Commissioner Hart's office. Four times in a week, and those are just the visits that we know about. That's bound to cause a bit of ruckus in the hen house, I observed sagely. It is, isn't it, Jack agreed, checking his clip as if the odds of a shootout were somehow greater than they were a moment ago. Maybe we should try not to add to that. What did you have in mind, I asked. The commissioner's office is downtown, by City Hall, Jack said, as if delivering clever news. So? So it's almost lunchtime. If Sabian went to see Hart, where would he eat lunch? Jack scratched his head and looked at a street map of downtown. He would eat before he got back in his car, I offered, in case robbery homicide had gone to blazes in his absence, which it almost certainly would have. So... What lunch counter within three blocks of City Hall serves the brownest of available brown foods on a policeman's budget? Jack asked the map, stroking his old square jaw as he did so. It is a great credit to our detective skills and our experience with every cheap lunch place in town that we found our boy, seated happily at Miller's hash wagon, tucking into something that looked very brown indeed. What exactly did my digestion and I do to deserve this? 
He groused as he slammed a forkful of what I decided was corned beef hash into his delicate maw. Neither snow nor rain or such and such, Jack shrugged. The counterman looked at us suspiciously, as if daring us to sit and not eat during the lunch rush. Coffee, Jack said, and whatever he's having. Two, I said, and the counterman nodded and wiped the counter on either side of Sabian with a fairly clean rag. Hey, you can eat, Sabian protested. I never said you could sit. That hurts my feelings, Jack lied. Good, Sabian nodded, trying to eat faster, but largely failing because he was already at terminal velocity. The coffee arrived, and while it was not Jack's special blend, it wasn't bad. Jack made a face and played casual. So, you and Commissioner Hart have been seeing a lot of each other, he offered. Sabian paused the motion of his fork briefly, possibly because he was having a stroke. Who says so, he said, his cheeks full like a hamster at a seed festival. Jack said nothing, because he knew that would annoy Sabian into taking the lead. All right, so what, he snapped. Maybe he's going to ask me to prom. Jack, I said as if I couldn't possibly care less. Let us say, just as a hypothetical, you understand, that there is a police lieutenant who is such a thorn in the side of the brass that he has been terminal at that rank literally forever. In spite of commanding an important division and having had more than one medal pinned on his ample chest, Jack lampooned as two plates of hash arrived and were set down with a clatter. Leave my chest out of this, Sabian frowned. What would then make that police lieutenant suddenly best buddies with the commissioner himself, I concluded, and does it have anything to do with the rumors that he's about to be put on the spot? Sabian frowned. Who is? You are, I said, picking up my fork. There was no client to expense today, and I make a point of never wasting food that I paid for myself. Hypothetically, Sabian asked. No, I said with my mouth full. Honest and for true. Who says so? Jack picked up his cues. The horse, he said, down at O'Hanrahan's. Sabian looked thoughtful. O'Hanrahan's? So that'll be the, uh, Delaney mob? I shrugged. No, but cops in their employ, apparently. Apparently, Sabian snorted. So you got no names, no descriptions, no nothing? We do not, Jack agreed. Well, then I'll just put them on a list with every other dirty cop in this town, Sabian said cheerfully. Thanks for stopping by. Harder's putting this on your desk, Jack asked. Isn't that what internal affairs is for? Funny thing, Sabian growled. IA is the dirtiest department of them all been covering for all the others. Hart wants to take them down. Bad. But he needs a sap to run the investigation. Why a sap, I asked. You always say there's no scum worse than a dirty cop. Sure, Sabian said with a wave of his hands. Maybe that's why I agreed to do it. And maybe it's because they're going to run me up to captain after who knows how many years. Is that a good enough reason, Jack asked? It is 30 days later, Sabian nodded. What happens 30 days later, I asked, not getting it. They retire him with a full captain's pension, Jack said. Oh, I said, oh. Whoever does this will be poisoned to the rank and file, Sabian said, almost by way of apology. But this lets me do one more good thing before the end. Unless somebody ends you first, Jack offered. Yeah, about that, Sabian pushed his empty plate back like he expected applause. Let's go get a drink at O'Hanrahan's. 
Thank you for listening to Thursday Thrillers right here on the Mutual Audio Network. Please consider subscribing to other days of the Mutual Feeds, including Monday Matinee for classic live and theatrical audio plays, Tuesday Terrors for horror audio drama, Wednesday Wonders, our science fiction and fantasy magazine, Friday Follies, our end-of-the-week comedy series, Saturday Story Circle for kids and families alike, and Sunday Showcase, bringing you the very newest in audio releases from our United Artists of Audio right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The Mutual Audio Network, where we listen and imagine together.